Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast with me, Phil Saker. Today we are looking at the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 9. Now this is the turning point in the book of Genesis, the the moment that God begins to reverse the fall and bring about his salvation plan. And this particular episode, we're going to focus on the faith of Abraham and what that looked like and what it teaches us about living by faith. So I hope that you enjoy the sermon. Please do have a look at the passage as well. It doesn't start with reading the passage. So do have a look at that passage and maybe have it open in front of you as you listen from Genesis chapter 12. And just to remind you once again, there is more content available on the YouTube channel. And this week we were looking at Jesus uh, in his prophetic office, Jesus' prophetic role, how we relate to him as God's prophet. So do have a look at that, sadly, just on YouTube, not on the podcast. And the link is down below. And if you would like to support Understand the Bible, then there are ways to do that too. You can pray, you can give, and the link for that is down below. There's a whole page all about how you can do those things. So thanks so much, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoy the sermon, and I will see you again soon. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the early chapters of Genesis, and it just seems like the news has gone from bad to worse. Now, after Genesis chapter, chapters 1 and 2, you get the fall in chapter 3, and then after that, things just get worse and worse, don't they? The sin spreads through the world, there's murder, there is um, uh, the flood eventually because wickedness became so great. And then as we saw last week, there was the Tower of Babel incident where uh, mankind came together in their sinfulness and, and God had to scatter them over the face of the earth. And you might think, well, when, when are things going to change? You know, when is, is, are we gonna get some good news, basically? And that is what happens in here in Genesis chapter 12. You could say that Genesis chapter 12 is the turning point. It's the, it's the beginning of the good news. It's, it's the beginning of the salvation story with the line of Abraham. And this particular story, I think, teaches us about faith. I think this story of Abraham or, well, Abraham, as he was called. I'm, I'm apologise if I call him Abraham. It's quite difficult to, um, you know, to, to get it right, isn't it? When it Abraham, Abraham. Um, but you know, Abraham is rightly seen as a, as a sort of giant of, of faith. And I think this episode here teaches us about what it means to have faith and to trust in the Lord. So let's look into what it says. Uh, it says, uh, begins out, it says, The Lord has said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. So the first word that God says to Abraham is go. It's, it's the command. That's the first thing that God says to Abraham. And he says, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household. To go to... Uh, he did not know where. It said, just go to a land I will show you. Now, I think we, perhaps in the the Western world today, the 21st century world, where people are much more mobile than they used to to be, I think we miss some of the significance of this. Because these days, you know, I mean, someone leaving their their country and people and, and their home, not such a big deal, is it? 
you know, young people do it, they go off on a gap year. Um, they, you know, you may have relatives who've moved abroad. I have a, an auntie who, who moved abroad, you know, to Australia um, some years ago and all of that sort of thing. So it doesn't, it, it's much more common now. But in those days, it was a big deal, you know, to leave your father's household, you know, to leave your country, everything that you'd known, you know, it was a much more uh, family-oriented society. And to ask Abraham to do this would have been huge, especially as he's asking him to go to somewhere that he doesn't know where. He just says, to the land I will show you. He just does it because God asks him to do it. And that is the thing. And the promises, that, the, or the promises of blessing that God makes in verses 2 and 3, all of that is subordinate to this one. He says, go, and then he says, I will bless you. But the, if you like, the blessing is kind of dependent on the, the faith of obedience to this, to this first thing. So let's look at those promises, verses 2 and 3. Um, the word I, or the words I will, comes up five times there. Something that God promises to do. It's, it's not something which Abraham has to work up to. It's something that which God promises to do. He says, I will bless you. That's something I will do. So it's not something which Abraham uh, needs to, to earn or achieve on his own strength. Something which God promises to do. What promises does he make? Well, he's already promised him a land. So to go to the land, I will show you. Uh, but he also says, I will make you into a great nation. So he promises sort of um, descendants, if you like, that, that, that um, they, will be, they will become a great people. Uh, he also says, I will um, make you, uh, you will be a blessing. So uh, God promises uh, him blessing and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham himself will be blessed and he will be a blessing and bring it, in fact, a blessing to the whole, whole earth, to all peoples on earth. Um, so God promises him a place, a land, promises him people, a nation, and promises him blessing. Now think back a little bit, think back to Genesis chapter 3. That was what mankind lost at the fall, wasn't it? You know, they lost their place, they lost the Garden of Eden, they were expelled from the Garden of Eden. They lost the descendants, you know, God said death was a result of the fall. That's what happened. And also that they were under God's curse instead of blessing. So here, Genesis chapter 12 is the beginning of the reversal of the curse of the fall. And I think we mustn't miss that, that significance. It's the beginning of God undoing those things. So um, what does Abraham do, or Abraham, I should call him? Well, verse 4, it says, So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him. He went. And uh, it, just in those, those few verses, that's what it says. He left everything, and he followed the Lord. Uh, he was obedient to God's call. And he, he says there, he was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And um, 
I think it's worth making making the point. You know, sometimes people think, oh, I'm, you know, I can't serve God because I'm too young or too old or, or whatever. And I was actually just the other day reading Jeremiah, um, where Jeremiah says to God, I'm too young. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of evidence in the Bible. God calls anyone from every age. You're never too young or too old to serve the Lord. Never think that you're past it or that you're before it or whatever. You can serve God whatever age that you are. Um, and that's a lovely thing about the scriptures, isn't it? That it's, God uses all sorts of people. Abraham was 75 when he set out from Haram. Um, and he took everything and set out for the land of Canaan. So what's significant about Canaan? Canaan, if you read on through the Old Testament, Canaan is the land that will become the promised land. Canaan is the promised land, basically. So God is directing him to the land which would not be um, belong to, to the people of Israel for about, about 500 years, roughly. That's the significance of this. And what Abraham does while he's there is, um, the commentary I was reading talked about this as being like an, an enacted prophecy which I rather like. What he basically does is he travels around the borders of the promised land and he worships God uh, through it. So he sort of travels and worships across the boundaries of the land. So it talks about the tree of Moray at Shechem and then um, verse eight to the hills east of Bethel and, and he builds an altar to the Lord and calls on the name of the Lord. And if you look I haven't got a map to show you, but if you look at the look up at a Bible map, basically he's travelled through the Promised Land. That's that's what he's done, and he's he's kind of worshipped at, at each end of it. So that's what what is happening there. It's kind of, if you like, putting putting uh, putting it into practice. You know, saying God is going to give you this land, and this is where it is, where it's going to be. And this is, as it says in verse six. Um, at that time the Canaanites were in the land. So this is despite the fact that the land has a different people living in it at, at the time. And it might have seemed to Abraham like uh, it was impossible. You know, going through the land, looking at, looking at what the, you know, the Canaanites were there, and you think, well, how, how could this land belong to God? How could this land belong to my descendants? But he, he obeys God and he goes through. And the Lord says, verse 7, uh, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So God says, I will give it to you. Now, I think this episode here is a very significant one but like I said I think it has a lot to teach us about faith and about the way that we relate uh, to God. Faith is according to according to this it is taking hold of God's promises and acting accordingly and, and acting obediently. That actually it's, it's not faith is not doing nothing but is actually acting in accordance with the promises that God has given and with the instructions uh, that God has given. This is um, Abraham is referred to in the, the New Testament 
in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, for those of you who, uh, who don't know, this is a, you might call it a sort of um, faith hall of fame. You know, it, it's a chapter which is full of examples from the Old Testament of those who've had faith. And Abraham is one of those. So let me just read you a few verses which talk about Abraham. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is, uh, is God. So Abraham, by faith, although he didn't even know where he was going, obeyed God and went and looked forward to the, the fulfilment of the promises that God had given. So Abraham trusted God's promise. He obeyed God and he went, even though he couldn't see the fulfilment of that, that he, he still listened and obeyed. This is what uh, Gordon Wenham had to say. Like this Gordon Wenham, a, a biblical um, scholar, and he wrote a commentary on Genesis. This is what he said. Here, in Genesis 12, as in um, chapter 22, verse 2, that's the um, sacrifice of when God calls Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, to test him. Um, Abraham is bidden to do something of which God is the sole guarantor of a successful outcome. So God calls Abraham to do something for which only God is the, the guarantor of a successful outcome. And I think that says something profound about what faith is. That's how faith works. You know, God doesn't call people to do things which are easy or which we could just easily do in our own strength. Because if, if that was the case, then where would the faith be? You know, if God just called us to do things which we could do anyway, then where is, where is the faith? Where is the how does the glory go to God if that is the case? But when God gives a, a call and a, and a promise like that, uh, there is a corresponding obligation for us to receive it, if you like. God gives a promise, so we receive them by faith as well. You know, we have to, to do something. And obviously, no, that doesn't mean that we need to earn God's salvation. But we need to respond to his promises. And there's a difference, there's an important difference between those two things. I think sometimes in life, the difference between those, those things about how we respond to God it is quite clear. Um, I remember, so you know Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you know, um, uh, ask and you, you, know, you shall receive. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things shall be given unto you about all of our practical needs. Now, it's all very well to say, I believe and trust in God to provide. When you've got a regular income, when you know where your next meal is coming from, when you, know, you, you, you can budget and you can plan. That was our situation about three years ago, and, and then all of that stopped. 
And uh, I tell you what, it's a lot harder to trust God that that is the case when you don't have a regular income and you can't budget uh, in that way. And you just kind of have to trust that God is going to provide and fulfil his promises. But he does. And that is the thing, isn't it? That sometimes God puts us in a situation where we just have to trust. And that's when we realise that God's promises are there and are true. But sometimes he just needs to throw us out into the deep water for us to, to, take, to take hold of it. Another thing about, about faith is that the, the scope, the size of what God calls us to doesn't matter. The scope of it, the size of it doesn't matter. You know, Jesus said, you can tell this mountain to, to, to throw itself into the sea if your faith is as small as a mustard seed. Now, all that matters is actually, is it God's call? Is it God calling? Is it being obedient to God and to his promises? That's what really matters. It doesn't matter how big it is. In fact, I think sometimes the, the bigger the thing is, uh, the more likely it is that it's God call, God's calling. Because, God, like I said, God doesn't call us to do things which we could just do ourselves in our own strength. It's only through God's strength. One of my favourite verses in the Bible, and this is repeated several times in different ways, is just this, is anything too hard for the Lord? Like we had in, in the song, actually, at the start. You know, no work too hard for him. Nothing is too hard for the Lord to accomplish. There's um, a lovely, <laughs> a very funny uh, bit in one of uh, Adrian Plass's books where I think he hears a sermon about faith and he thinks, right, I've got to you know, move mountains. And so he, um, he lies down and, and he sort of, so he puts a paperclip down the bottom and he says, I command this paperclip to move. And uh, it, of course it doesn't move. And, uh, and um, he, you know, his wife comes into the room and says, Darling, what are you doing? And he says, well, I you know, heard that sermon on faith the other day and I was trying to move the paperclip. And she says, but darling, why would, you want, why would God want you to move a paperclip? And um, you know, I think that's a wonderful little story, an illustration that actually, you know, it's not the size of the thing, but it's, is, is God calling us? What is God calling us to? What is God calling us to pray for? And that, as Abraham did, as Abraham did, now, we trust God even when we can't see. Even when he, he could only see the Canaanites in the land. He trusted God and he travelled through the promised land and he built an altar and he worshipped the Lord and he trusted in God's promises. As it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. And, you know, if you could see it, it wouldn't be faith now, would it? You know, that's the thing. You know, God's promises, we don't always see the results of it. Sometimes, and in fact, I think often God calls us to little things. You know, we see things and then we work to, you know, we pray towards them and then it happens. And so faith does turn to sight. But ultimately, we know that there are things that we will not see until the new creation. And uh, so we trust God and we walk with him in the small things and in, even in the bigger things day by day. But we look forward to the day when we will walk by sight as well as by faith in the new creation. The thing that we need to remember, and this is the, the final thing um, that I'm going to, 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 to say, the, uh, 
one verse here from Psalm 25. And I love these verses. There are several of these verses through the Psalms. But this is what it says. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. And that's a verse that um, I've has become precious to me over the last few years. That at the end of the day, if our hope is in the Lord, no one whose hope is in him will ever be put to shame. If our trust is in him, if he's guiding us, if we're trusting in his promises, no one whose hope is in him will ever be put to shame. And we can trust him. So let's pray and ask for God to help us to have faith as uh, Abraham did. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for uh, the life of uh, Abraham. We thank you, Lord, for the way that he was able to trust in you, even though he couldn't uh, see uh, the fulfilment of the promises that you made in his lifetime. We thank you, Lord, that he obeyed you. And we pray that you would help us to have that same faith, to trust in you and to obey your call, whatever you may be calling us to in this, in this day and age. We pray that you would give us the faith to walk with you, uh, to walk by faith and not by sight, and trust that you will fulfil your promises, every one of them, to us in your timing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.